Congratulations, you made it to the exfil. You can relax, empty your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you're brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT. We hope you'll join us and get better at the game, which is what we're hoping to do. So before we jump into it, let's get our hideout keeping stuff out of the way. And one person loved my pun on hideout keeping, so it's staying in. You got to listen to it every single week. So first, thank you guys so much for listening, watching. I know I probably sound kind of like an echo chamber when I say this, but ton of new faces in the Discord. We've got new five-star reviews coming in on all the platforms. We've seen people grouping up, squatting up in Discord, and we're all about gamers helping gamers, and that's been going on like crazy. So we're all about it. Thank you. Appreciate you being a part of it. Uh, second, the best way to support the show is to share this with somebody you know that's playing the game. If you got a friend playing Tarkov, let them know about the podcast. And second to that would be subscribing to the YouTube channel, XP Media Now on YouTube. And like I mentioned before, any five-star review or anywhere you can comment on the show on the podcast app you're listening to goes a long way to getting the show where we want it to go. That's pretty much it. You can find me on Twitch or Twitter. My handle is mtbtrigger on both. And Ronald, let them know how they can find you and how you doing, man. Yeah, the best place to find me would be on Discord. You can find me in the XFIL Discord and just send me a DM or on the Twitters at Ronald Gaming. Happy to take any kind of uh, DMs either way there. Uh, yeah, this doing pretty good. This week is uh, pretty exciting. We've got the legend himself, Mr. Dadcaster, on the show with us. The one person who intimidates all the other Tarkov players. <laughs> And so we're, we're we're pretty excited about this. I've had an interesting week in game. Again, you know, still enjoying that Rat versus Chad talk in, in Discord. Enjoying the uh, the Rat Nation, as I've come to call it. And definitely had some good conversations with some people who play more in that style. And so I really like what developed last week out of our banter about that. And we definitely had some good, some good Chad versus Rat kind of stuff going on. But also had some people definitely learn that they can play the game whatever way they want to. And that was really the whole point of all of it anyways. And so it's really been good from that. So yeah, been a good week. Awesome, man. Well, Dadcaster, welcome, sir. I'm going to call you dad for the rest of the show because that's the only thing that I do. I've had the pleasure of playing with you a bunch. But for those of you that don't know, uh, we got Dadcaster tagged as a Sherpa in the Discord. He's been grinding heavily towards finishing out all the quests to unlock that elusive quest. It's tasks. I'm sorry. I say it every time. But he's grinding for the Kappa container. And so he's... Definitely going to be the guy to talk to for tasks as we're moving forward. And we want to hit a couple things tonight. So we're going to talk about tasks and a lot of new people have joined. There's a lot of people that are just starting the game. So we're going to hit that with him. And then we're also going to get into the Battle State podcast that they put out, uh, the two hour video that they talked about what's coming up in the next two patches and then just some odds and ends. So we're going to invite dad into all of that. But 
Dad, how you doing, man? How's your night? Doing great, man. Doing doing awesome. And by the way, <clears throat> I do want to apologize to, you know, you mentioned the Discord and it is really blowing up. It's fantastic to see, but I've had like a dozen people DM me from Discord who I don't know, total strangers, because I'm on the Sherpa there and asked me to play and I... I, I Trigger, you know this. You know this. There's nothing that makes me happier than to take a brand new person, take into customs, and get their first five scab kills. You know, like I love that. I just haven't like this week. I've got this obsession with this Kappa container. You know, and and that is these kind of quests that I'm doing are not ones that you want to take a level five player along and let them get clapped by Gluhar as you're trying to hunt him down. That's but it's been good. It's been good. I I have completed four or five tasks that at the start of this wipe I thought to myself I don't know I don't know if I'm going to finish that one. That one might I might not get the cap because of that one. So that was a good feeling for this week for sure. That's awesome. And I think for everybody in here, I, I guess I do want to share a little bit of the story because your background, I know for work, like you're an attorney, which kind of cracks me up how you love love this game. But most importantly, I want everyone to know that he's not kidding. Like he's he's grinding these tasks and I've even reached out and he's like, hey man, I'm, I'm grinding, man. I got to get this thing done. But when I first got this game, you know, back in December, a couple months ago, I had been giving dad a load of crap about playing this game, right? And <laughs> he streams it every once in a while. And I was like, dude, this game is ridiculous. It's too slow. I can't believe you've been sitting in this corner for so long. Look at you playing with your inventory, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Go shoot somebody. <laughs> But the first person that I talked to once I got the game, I finally got convinced to go get it, is I reached out. I was like, dude, I got the game. I don't know what I'm doing. And no joke, like even after all of the crap that I gave him, which was hours worth of being in his chat and making fun of him, he took me under his wing and just showed me some stuff. He showed me some loot runs. He helped me get some of the really hard tasks that everybody in Discord's talking about right now, you know, where you have to go get a pocket watch and then get back into factory and plan it. Like, it's a hard task. And he helped me get some of that stuff done. So, I I just wanted to say that because we're going to be talking about some quote-unquote end task game stuff. And we'll talk about some of the hard ones in between. But I want you to know that uh, there's somebody that, honestly, he took me from when I was brand new, didn't know left from right in this game. And I'm super appreciative of it because I love this game. And I think finally back on those raids where I didn't know anything. And now that I'm a couple months into the game, I look back at some of the stuff I was asking, doing, and not doing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how did he put up with me? while I was doing this stuff. Man, I feel the same way. I can't, I I was thinking about the first time that I ever talked to you, dad, in Discord. I remember asking you like a stupid question about shotguns and I I, I had the same thought. I'm like, man, why is he still talking to me? (laughs) But it's great. Uh, We really appreciate you uh, being on the show and doing everything you you are doing for the the Sherpa program and definitely hanging out in Exfil and helping the folks around. But I got to talk like this week, I was having a pretty busy day, but I did drop in and watch you on Twitch. When you're doing one of your ta- one of your crazy tasks, and I think it was, were you trying to kill somebody with a Mosin with a crazy scope on it? Yeah, I had to kill three three PMCs of the Mosin in the same raid on Woods. Oh, first of all, I'm the world's worst bolt action sniper user. But I think that's something that the game needs to address. Why do they exist in this game? Like, makes total sense in a lot of other games like PUBG because everybody's wearing a level two helmet, and that's the only thing that can one shot a level two helmet is a bolt. This game, you want to have somebody. You can tap a full Chad in the face 
with some PST GZH ammo, and they're dead. Why do the bolts have to, why are they even in this game? But I digress. But yeah, it was, um, these last few ones, I think if I complete one every three days, I'll be happy. It was interesting to watch because how much money was each one of those setups every time you went and bought a new one? Five or six hundred. Five or six hundred K. Because <laughs> I, because I remember I asked you, I was like, you know, whatever Mosin, whatever, and you're like, no, no, this is like, this is the premium Mosin. <laughs> well, I'm so bad that I have to like try to give myself every possible advantage. Like I'm, I'm a pretty good spray player, and with DMRs, like I'm good. But like I'm so bad with the bolts, like I just, I'm not gonna be able, like trigger. You'll probably, be, you're really good with the Mosin. Like you'll probably be able to do this quest with just throw that little three times scope on there and just go clap some people. I cannot. I need the, I need the Reaper. I need the Archangel stock. I need you know, the 7N1, you know, but that's what finally got me through. I was using the tracer ammo. I think that was what was getting me killed as people were spotting me and, and, and I was turning around. I killed two PMCs in the same raid probably 11 times before I finally got that third one. It was very frustrating, but yeah. It's brutal. It was definitely interesting to watch, but I enjoyed the commentary along the way. It's just interesting how you tackle these tasks because some of them you definitely are like, I'm just going in with a hatchet or like when you're trying to kill PMCs with a pistol. I did that wearing nothing, just pistol and my bare body. Like, and that's it. I was like, this is how I'm going to approach this quest. Some of them, I, I think to myself, it's going to suck losing 600,000 every time I go into a raid and fail this quest, but I have to give myself the best possible chance to do it. Like, if I would have tried to just go in bare chested with a Mosin, I would never, literally never finish that quest. So you got to kind of make those decisions as you're, as you're doing this. Well, and I think you said something really important. And we kind of alluded to the two main topics of the show tonight. We're going to talk tasks and we're going to do the strategy part at the top of the episode because the Nikita conversation is long, wide, has more rabbit holes and who knows where we're going to go. So we are going to jump into tasks. And I have a few things I want to talk about before we go all in, but I find this to be fascinating because there's certain things that you're like, I didn't put any gear on. And then you're talking about the Mosin and you're like, I put all this gear on and have these crazy loadouts. And I'm sitting here like, dude, if you say another bad word about the Mosin, I'm editing this entire segment out because I don't want people thinking that gun doesn't belong in the game because I love the bolt action. I love the Mosin because there is nothing better than just like that flick Mosin headshot at like 50 meters away. Like I live for that. So I think it does belong in the game, but I think that breakdown of like recognizing in the task, could I get this done pistol running or with no gear on and I just need to get lucky and go find this item and get out? Or is it a task that I as a player need to gear up for and get all of these things set up to give myself the best chance? Because like you said, me personally, that Mosin task, I can't wait until I have to mow through Mosins and just stomp through woods and try to clap as many players as I can because I love that gun. But I'm sitting there right now on a task in Factory where I have to kill 10 players in the office area and I hate that corridor because there are so many rats in that stupid office that are way better at being a rat than I am. And I try to sprint and get in there first and I just get dominated up in that area. So like every player is going to have certain things where they're going to have to gear up in other spots where they don't. And like for me that kill 10 people in the office area factory, I'm probably going to end up going like gen six armor, like face shield, full chat in there. and <laughs> P90. I don't know. I found that fascinating. So like how many attempts did it take you to get that one done? The one that was a struggle for me? Probably a solid 11, 12 hours of gameplay, I would say. So probably 20, 25 raids. 
Now, uh, there were uh, many, many of them I lived. Like, I, I didn't get clapped like 25 times. It's just seeing three people and getting kills. Like, I had all kinds of raids where I killed two PMCs and like 11 scavs. This is what I like about the, the quest. Like, during the course of it, I definitely got way better using the bows than I was at the start. And I, I, I just have always kind of avoided the bolt in this game because I don't, I've never like seen a point for him. But it, it kind of forced me and I got way better. And then it just became a matter of when am I going to actually see and have three PMCs like in my sights to, to make my shots and eventually I got there. So that became the struggle. Was it like a memorable finish to that task? Like, was it like three guys were squatted up or did you just happen to get three spread out on the map? I started over by like Scav House. As everybody I hope is doing, the first thing you do on every raid, especially in Woods, because for the size of that map, it is insanely close player spawns. So Woods and Factory are this probably the two most important maps to immediately run clear out the player spawns that are anywhere in your vicinity, because that's that's your number one. You don't want to raid the last 30, 30 seconds because you forgot to clear out somebody's 30 yards to the left of you. You didn't even think about it. So I ran and cleared out the, the player spawn around there next to the Toyota truck, and sure enough, I clapped a guy there, had no idea like he was just kind of moseying his way toward the logging you know he didn't even think and then i killed another one over by the rock that i'm probably not supposed to say the name of it on this podcast uh the rock that's in the woods uh and then <laughs> and then i was coming around like underneath the sniper scav because i was i had i had shot the sniper scav and i actually got him to fall down the rock and i was gonna go see if he had a thermal scope on his gun because that's sometimes something that can happen so i was like ooh, free thermal and so I, I was going over there to loot his body and i heard a guy coming over that little hill he was clueless i just stopped and froze and waited as soon as he came over popped him right in the head and I, uh, J Mac was in the discord just kind of listening to what was going on i let out I was very happy. Very, very happy. Because <laughs> uh, you get the little subtask, right? Oh, yeah. It gives you a little ding. You know, I was like, woohoo, yes. Nice. That's awesome. So, Eric, you mentioned that you're loving all this conversation, and, and you may have a guess on the way that Dadcaster plays, but I want to I ask him, based on the conversation we had on last week's episode, so... Have you seen, first of all, Dad, have you seen the video that uh, General Sam did? Basically, it was like him playing with a Chad. He's a rat. And there's a Chad and they each played like five matches, each of them leading. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen it, huh? <laughs> oh gosh, I'm gonna have to send you the video. But basically, he he basically defines like a Chad is someone that like bull rushes into places like full gear and always takes a fight. And the, the rat is more of the like slow, methodical gameplay in the Discord, in the last episode, we had people say, be proud and let us know, are you a rat or are you a Chad? Like, are you strategic, slow, loot and exfil, or are you looking for fights and pushing it? So, I think we're going to ask everybody that's on the show now which way they play. So, are you a Chad or are you a rat? So, so my, dispos- my disposition is like 100% rat. But I had kind of a, a revelation one day watching uh, Pestily play. And he was doing, so it was at the end of the last wipe. They were doing an event, like they'll do before wipes for new players who don't know. They do special events. Like they, they do, they mess with stuff. Kind of some of it's memes and some of it they're like testing out new stuff to see how people like it. So this particular event, they had replaced all of the scavs on the maps with like every scav spawn instead became a group of three raiders. It was nuts. So like, the level three players were walking around with Gen 4 armor and stuff, like the brand new people, because they'd all killed Raiders and like taken their gear. Anyway, so he took, he went in in one stream in nine hours, he went from level one to level 40. 
and only just factory, just running around clapping Raiders like regularly. And I watched, he was like just stomping around that place, like running, stirring up action, chucking every grenade he saw, like just bullying like this factory. And I was like, people cannot handle when people play this way. So I, I like one of the things I do when I fire up Tarkov for the day, especially if I'm going to play for more than like, you know, one raid, I start off with a warm up and I go to factory with an AK with just a PK06 on it and as much ammo as I can fit in like a black rock, like all 60 round mags of BS. And I just try to wipe out as many scabs as I can doing that, like running, like not hiding in corners, like charging around the factory, blitzing around corners, just to kind of keep my skill set sharp and to work on so that when I'm in a real raid, I want to be able to have that aggression when I need to call on it, you know, because I think that's important. Yeah, it's interesting. The whole rat versus Chad thing, I find myself, I'm 100% naturally a rat, right? But the more that I play, I'm squeaking in like, you know, 1% Chad, right? Because this game doesn't reward the entire Chad way of playing. Basically, it doesn't reward you just running in. You're just going to literally get shot in the face and die if you don't have any kind of strategy. But I think what happens is it does reward you getting more comfortable with all the different nuances of the map you're playing. And so one of the things that's been happening with me is I found that the more comfortable I get on a map, I play more like more like a Chad, right? It's in the beginning stages. And I've just played enough now where that's where that's happening to me just on shoreline for the first time, right? So I played enough shoreline, enough hours of shoreline now where I'm playing way more aggressive than if I would have than in the first like, say, 10 hours. But it's interesting because I did a few matches on customs where I'm not as familiar and it was like totally the opposite, right? You know, sneaking around kind of thing. So I think that the, I think there's a progression of game style that happens kind of naturally with this because you can't just run in. You're going to die. The game punishes that too much. You have to have some kind of plan. Yeah. And I think you guys both said a couple things that I really like. One is, Dad, you said you did that offline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just turn the volume of scavs up as high as it'll go just so that there's like a hundred scavs in the factory, you know? Right. And and the truth is like once you play factory a lot and this week I've played a bunch of factory. I'm trying to get to level 40 so that I can max out my traders because I have mechanic and Jaeger. Yes. No. Mechanic and Ragman at level 40, they go max level and then I'll have, I just maxed out my hideout today and then those will be the last two traders I need to max out. And so I've been running factory like crazy because you can get a lot of experience really quick running around in the scabs. But the thing that you learn about factory, I think playing it a lot is there's a few places that players like rush to. The undergeared people will sit at the extract, right? And then you'll have a few PMCs that run towards the office. I guess my question to you, I haven't really played the run and gun style on factory, but how many hours do you think it took you to learn how to just stomp around factory with a bunch of ammo and just killing everything? To me, like I watched pretty much that entire nine hour stream that Pestily did and I just watched his routes. I was like, oh, okay. All right. That's, you know, that's, and and then I just tried to, you know, replicate it, you know, and I I kind of just treat it like it's a, you know, space invaders almost like what's the high score, you know, and I just started seeing, you know, get better and better, you know, it's just a process of learning, you know, when, when they pop in, what the rotation is. Uh, It's also like learning the little sounds, like. Okay, there, there's one in particular that sticks out of my mind. Like when you're coming up that ramp that has the yellow, um, not a forklift, but the little looks like a the gator, like a John Deere gator on it. And it's got the, the sideways things on it. There's a little, if you, you'll hear, tap, tap, like two footsteps on metal. And it's a scav coming across that one little thing. And I just know that. I just hold the, you know, hold the corner as I'm stomping up. Just learning where are the little sounds. Like it, it just, it's just a process of learning. I didn't, you know, like figure out a specific thing. 
No, that's cool. And it's actually a fascinating point that you brought up that I've started to notice on all of the different maps, especially where I like to go, right? I'll, I'll pick an area and learn it, right? So like on Interchange, I picked this little area, and I think I've talked about it before, but this area in between Rasmussen and Sport, which is outside of Ollie. And I picked that area because you could sit there and you could hear all of these different things. You could hear gravel if somebody's running up the ramp into the middle of the octagon. If you heard wood, you knew that the person was either in Rasmussen or Teco, because that's the only wood near you. And then you could hear the escalator, right? And so you start listening on where all of these things are happening, and that's going to tell you where the players are. What dad just brought up, and I think this is critical, is, and the reason that offline rating is fantastic, no matter where you are in the game, I still do it. Right now I'm doing it in labs trying to figure that out. But it's those little tiny sound cues. And I actually know the exact one you're talking about because there's a building there. Yeah. And if a scab's coming left to right, you hear dink, dink, and it's them running up that ramp. And it's always at the same cadence. And then they always come around that corner just like two seconds later, and it's always at the same spot. So if you learn this spot and you hear somebody not make that tink or you hear something moving in that area and they don't come up that ramp, the scab's either aggro to a player or it's a player. And you can start eliminating where people can be. So great point. I actually love that you brought that up because the surface sounds are probably one of the most important environmental tools that you can learn in this game, especially if you're going to start playing more aggressive. And and Factory really, really encourages you to be aggressive because you can get a lot of kills really quick. And there's a couple of nice loot areas. Like I want to get good at getting the office because there's a safe in there. There's a couple of file cabinets in there. There's some jackets in there. It can be a good loot area to hit if you clear it out. So, <laughs> as is tradition, we, we took that rabbit hole deep, which I love. I, I want to get back to tasks and the strategy behind it. So, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, like what got you interested in grinding tasks? Like experience is one thing, but was it the allure of having the Kappa container and those extra pouch slots? Or what, what got you in the mood to like go after this? Well, at first, it's just a way to level quickly, right? Like, people who are jumping into the game at this point, it is a completely different perspective when you jump in at the beginning of a wipe. Or if you, you like, don't have friends who have, you know, tens of millions of rubles and, and will give you, like, a, a few sets of good gear to kind of get you started on your way. You know, you are you spend the first 10, 15 levels, like, if that's your experience, using a lot of Vepper Hunters, like, a lot of, like, really kind of crappy weapons and kind of scraping by as best you can. And... You know, when, when that's the equipment that you're using, well, it's nice because most of all the other players are using the same kind of equipment. But, you know, you get killed by scavs a lot more often. You know what I'm saying? When you're not rocking the Meta M4 and the Gen 4 armor and, and your, you know, ULAC or whatever it is that you have. You know, it, it's it's harder to get experience, like, by doing stuff like just going into factory and stomping around and killing 15 scavs or going to labs. So the, the way to do it is, you know, tasks. I was still... Like, I don't know what percent, like right now, trigger that you're, I think, a level 37. I don't know what percent you would say that you buy um, on the flea market versus from the traders. But when I was level 30, it was like 90% traders. Like, that's what I, that's who I was buying from just because I was kind of the state of, of the wipe. So it was really important for me to get experience and to get my traders leveled up in a big hurry, you know. So that's kind of why I started doing it. And I, I really thought, like, I, when they originally said the wipe was going to happen mid-March, I was like, ah, I'm not going to get the capo. But then they extended it to June. I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot, you know. I mean, why not? 
Why not give it a shot? And now I've kind of gotten obsessed. <laughs> like that's what happens with this. I'm, I'm gonna get it. Like I won't do anything else until I get this. You know, cap it. That's again. These are just little things that I love that you're bringing these things up, and I, I want to pull them out and focus on it because we've had a ton of new people come in, and we're not trying to gloss over any of this. But to your point, right now at 37, right, I've built all of these modded guns and save the presets, right? And you're buying basically everything there because you've got everything maxed. And then there's a few things that can only be found in raid. But one of the benefits to leveling up your traders and focusing on that is they sell a lot of the little tiny parts that are, you know, 4,000, 6,000 here that, that really add up because until you unlock that, people will sell them on the flea market for two or three times what the traders do. And that makes guns really expensive. And so at this phase in the game, because I have mechanic at three and not four, I'm buying, if I build a, just a stock gun out, like if I take an 8R and I want to build it out the way I like it, I'm buying probably eight items from the traders and then two from the flea market. And those two items that I'm buying on the flea market are like, I don't know, half the cost of the gun right now because it's usually the suppressor. Great point. It's a really good benefit to spending some time grinding tasks because you get real benefits, not just from trades that you get access to, but especially in the weapon modding category. I think this is important for people who just picked up this game, like maybe a month ago, to realize and understand. The market right now, like, is huge. Like, inflation has, has run, is run away. I mean, and one symptom that you see is M995 costing $14. Like, everybody can, can make millions of dollars in, a, in an instant right now, which is fine. It's great. It's just, after a wipe, for the first couple months particularly, it is not going to be that way. And you, you should realize you're going to be scraping. Like, I remember... Here's a thing that is always exciting to me is when I can unlock being able to purchase the low profile gas block from, uh, from Skier. Like just because I use ARs a ton, especially before I hit level 30, that's, that's kind of when I start using the fully auto weapons. The fact that I can buy that for 5,000 instead of 15,000 on the flea market is like a huge deal because now I have basically infinite amounts of money and, and like it's, it's nothing. But at the beginning, man, I stay below a million all, pretty much all the time. Like I stayed below a million for like the first two months of the white, you know. So being able to purchase stuff for 10,000 real cheap is gonna be, unless they drastically change it, when the wipe happens, you're gonna be so happy about that. So yeah, do your do your tasks level your people up right after a wipe it's very very critical to get that done i hear you on this i've sort of come under this but like ronald i know you found a way to play that is you've mastered some areas that i really want to master because you've gotten really efficient at it hearing this does it change the way you look at tasks at all i wouldn't say you've avoided them but you definitely haven't focused on them. You've been more focused on learning maps, learning runs, getting better at PvP when it comes up. So does this change the way you look at it at all? I've been more interested in initially kind of getting better at just the PvP aspect, just using the guns, whatever. Because again, you know, you trigger, you had thousands of hours in PUBG as kind of like your most recent stint. And I haven't really played an FPS game for a few years. So I was kind of getting back into FPS. But besides that, I kind of glommed onto the flea market. And, and I understand, you know, we're kind of in an inflated sense right now. But as soon as I got to level five, I just kind of stopped caring. And even at level five or level six, whatever it was, I was able to make like 14 million rubles just playing the flea market. And so I basically, if I wanted a gun, I would just buy it. <laughs> 
And then you told me one day, you should really care about your hideout. And I was like, why? (laughs) 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 You know, but yeah, I'm going to start focusing on that part of the game because like like you say, there's so many different aspects of the game, right? You're saying, Dad, you focused on the tasks because you wanted to get to a certain point and do a certain thing. And I'm sure after the next wipe, I'm not going to be able to play the way that I jumped into this midwipe, right, for my first experience with the game. So I I fully expect that I'll have to grind more, a lot more, in the next time around. But I'll be ready for that because that's kind of where I'm at now. I've kind of started to to play uh, rating more than I was before and just kind of work on tasks more at this point. Well, yeah, and I... (laughs) I'm going back to the conversation we had last week about asking people how they're playing. What are they doing? What's going on? And and it sort of cracks me up because before we started recording, I was messing around with some trades and learning the trades that I had just unlocked or the ones I'm going to get at level four. And dad literally talks to me. He's like, wait, are you just now realizing that you have that trade? And I don't even remember which one it was now. He's like, I've literally told you that 15 times. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he did. I was like, I know you're right. Because he said it again. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I didn't have the capacity to learn it then. But I was attaching myself to like every single piece of PVP knowledge that you gave me. But the traders and all that stuff, I was like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Let's just go shoot things. You know? And then Eric, you just brought up the fact that you unlocked the flea market and you mastered it. Like you mastered pricing. And then when we were talking, I was like, well, you know that if you level up your hideout, you can make more money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, it was me knowing how you're playing, saying like, hey, here's a couple things that might interest you based on the way you play. That's what I think is cool is once you start to figure somebody out and really learn what they're doing, you may be able to speak a little more life into how they're playing the game because they may, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I think there's all kinds of groups of people playing Tarkov right now. I think, you know, the drops event in Twitch brought a lot of people in. And so I think you've got a lot of people who, you know, are are really good at FPS. And I think you got a lot of people who are not very good at FPS, but the game itself has so much to offer, like we've talked about in previous episodes, that you don't necessarily have to play it one way. You can play it any way you want to, but it also has a lot of staying power because as you go from like one way of playing, like my way, right? I've just been playing the flea market and having a great time doing that and learning one or two maps and kind of not caring about the way the game's designed to be progressed, really. But I'm having fun. That's why you play a video game, right? Well, that's all that matters, you know? And we have, I met three people this week through the Discord. And, and while I'm saying this, like, I want to, th- you don't have to join the Discord, okay? We've had a lot of people do it. It's not required. Those of you that are listening and don't know what Discord is, don't care about Discord, we still want you here. Uh, but I, but I have met three people this week that have been playing console their entire lives and they switched to PC for this game, right? And so to your point, like, there's not, it's not just that people weren't playing FPS. There were some people that were playing RPG games on console. And they come over to play Tarkov on PC as their first title. So you want to talk about attracting (laughs) different people to this game. It's bringing people that aren't even FPS fans from a different platform and controller system entirely over to this. So like you hit it on the head. There are so many different people playing this game right now, which is, again, I, I just I love that dynamic. And, you know, dad plays a little different than I do. Eric, you play different than I do. I've learned stuff from both of you recently. And maybe maybe I've taught you a thing or two. I don't know. <laughs> so this week, I had a long conversation with someone who just DM'd me out of the blue and said, hey, thank you for like talking about the, the rat style of play. Because again, they felt pretty intimidated to ask for any kind of help because they weren't 
they weren't a Chad, right? They weren't the, they, they wanted to understand it before they die, they dove right in. And he sent me this long kind of <laughs> explanation about how he was super excited. Like he, he played like five. PMC raids and all he tried to do was survive. He didn't really care about engaging PvP or engaging scavs or anything or even looting. Like to like to him, the most important like confidence building event that he could have was just to make it out. And he's like, yeah, that that's the way that I wanted to play. And I'm glad that you brought that up, you know. And and so I think that's cool because not everyone's going to want to do that, and that's okay. But the people that do, I think we can. You know, we've got space for everybody, and I think that that makes uh, like our community pretty cool. And so I think it's interesting. You know, I've had I've had a couple of good conversations in two in the just general Xville Discord channel this week about people talking about different things. But just having having like that long conversation about the the rat playstyle really really I think kind of hit it home that we kind of have a spot kind of for everyone's playstyle. So if you're listening to this and if you're thinking like, oh, well, I'm not an FPS bro, so I can't do this. That's not true at all. There's there's lots of room to play this game in so many different ways. And I've learned a lot from playing with you, Mike, and watching dad, like dad's way beyond my level <laughs> so far underneath that. But what I, what I can say is like, it, it's just cool that we all can literally have kind of different and unique play styles, but all still play together. And that's, I think, why Tarkov has some staying power. I agree. And I'm I'm now a Chad surrounded by rats and I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> If if you're Chad, you're welcome. We'll we'll get matching mirrors. We'll stand next to each other and we'll flex our Xfil helmets and decked out M4s in the mirror. So <laughs> we we got everybody here. We, everybody's welcome. I always I was gear as a Chad. I always gear as a Chad. Nothing nothing but the best. But I will say, going back to kind of I guess the original question about about the tasks, like th- that's kind of why I started doing them was just to to level up. But since and this is by far the farthest the closest I've ever gotten to a cabin container, I have come to an appreciation that the reason people I think everyone should do the tasks is that um, some of them are are kind of dumb and cheap, like they just, you just go buy some stuff at the flea market and turn it in. That's that's kind of dumb, but a lot of them really force you to learn kind of like almost everything about the game, like either. It forces you to charge and to resort and take some stuff out of there, which is there are people who play Shoreline for hundreds of hours and never go near that place because it is a place of death, right? They're going to make you go into areas of the map that you would otherwise not go into. They're going to make you discover things. You're going to have to find the marked clearing in the woods, which, you know, some people who never do that quest will never do, you know, and you say, oh, wait, there's good loot here. You know, I mean, it forces you to kind of learn all the areas of the map. It forces you to uh, get better different types of gameplay. Like this one, everybody has complained about the Jaeger quest. Jaeger's a new trader, this wipe, for those who don't know. Like they just introduced him with this wipe. And so all of his quests are brand new and everybody was is complaining about them. Some of that is is was some justification, but you know what? It's Force me to be become better with the bolts. Okay, I, I acknowledge that. You know, the, a lot of the quests that I at the time I was like, "What am I doing? This is dumb. Why do I have to go to interchange and kill thirty scabs from less than fifty meters away wearing this paper armor that's worth nothing?" And the game is trying to teach me how to get you know close to people, like maintaining hard cover or you know stealth. Like, how do I get? I gotta get close to somebody without getting clapped. Like, that's a necessary skill in this game, and that's I guess part of what the task is teaching you. So some of them are kind of cheesy and just kind of scavenger huntish, but I think in the aggregate, what I've come to really appreciate about the task is that they do a really good job of kind of making you learn like all that the game has to offer. It's like now that you once you've done all the tasks, you've pretty much seen all the different parts of the map. You've done you've had to do some sniping, you've had to do some close quarters combat, you've had to use some ARs, some SMGs, some bolts, uh, you know, like all kinds of different stuff. So 
Uh, the one thing I would say that I hope that they do is take into consideration is is maybe change because it's kind of the same quests every wipe. I mean, when June comes and rolls around, some of mine are mine, but I don't need to go find another gold pocket watch. Okay, <laughs> like I, like that's and it, granted, at this point, you know, one of the advantages I have and haven't gone through this is that I can, as I, I joked with you, you remember we did that quest trigger. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> here comes. <laughs> I didn't the even ritual. know what I was doing, dude. <laughs> You're like, you get this, you go here, stay on my hip, and I'm freaking out, man. But what I told it's you factory. was, now we get to go die. You get to go die your first time getting the gold pocket watch, because nobody makes it through that the first time they try it alive, unless they're with some super level 60 chads who just, you know, form a ring of protection. Everybody dies several times trying to get that gold pocket watch for the first time, you know? Now, I could probably go in and do it with my eyes closed, you know, but I guess that's an advantage I have, but I would rather next next wipe, like every wipe they do, if they're going to continue to wipe, come up with the new set quest. Like, like put some of, they clearly have some creative geniuses at work, come up with some new stuff for us to do so that it's not, you know, the same kind of task over and over for people who go through wipe after wipe. Yeah, would you say like with the task system that it's good that it kind of forces you in a situation where your hands start to sweat on your mouth? I mean, it kind of forces you out of your comfort zone? Oh yeah, because that's part of what's great about this game, right? Like the first time, and again, I didn't have any like chads carrying me. Like it was me and my buddy, like uh, James, like level eight wearing scab and like, you know, a pack of armor, like trying to go in there. We died like probably seven or eight times. So like the first time that you actually live and make it out with that pocket watch was to me, like, I was like, well, that was better than any chicken dinner I've ever got, which is like an amazing feeling, like to get a chicken dinner. Like no matter how many chicken dinners you've got, it's still like is awesome. I was like, I was up there, you know? And like the first time you're able to put those doc stash those documents in the factory, like that's hard the first time you do it. That's part of what, you know, the, the sweatiness and the intensity is when you succeed. That's part of why you're, you're so happy about it like it's a high that I, I don't get from any other video game i guess and that's part. i think that's a necessary element i legitimately have not had another video game get my heart racing as fast as tarkov has it, it it's awesome so you just said something that made me think of i mean it's not a radical idea but i think the tasks that they have in the game are excellent for the exact reason you brought up they teach people a lesson. They they teach you a path, right? If you don't Google the gunsmith quest from Mechanic and actually learn how to build those guns, he will teach you how to mod guns over the course of like 10 levels, right? And if you do that and you figure out how to do it, you'll know how to mod forever. Now for you though, you've done that a few times, no longer has the you know allure of learning to it. So what if it was just a simple tweak? What if they just moved around which quests unlock which ones, or maybe they let you take more tasks earlier or remove some of the blocks because while I agree there is certainly a ramp up and there's a very intentional beginners focused and and that curve ramping up I'm just wondering if they could mix it up a little bit and achieve something different because the veterans of this game at the beginning of a wipe are going to dominate, right? And I haven't really thought about this, but they will dominate people that don't really know what they're doing, or maybe they came in mid-wipe and could buy Saliwas, which I'm guessing at the beginning of a wipe are quite expensive. So it's things like that. I wonder if you guys think they could just switch it up a little bit and get the same effect. Maybe not change a bunch of quests like you said, Dad, but maybe it just needs to be an order change. What do you think about that? I was going to say I was, another follow-up question on top of this question for you, Dad, as soon as you answer this. Are there players that played in the previous wipe, do you think, that played really hard and sweaty in the beginning of this wipe and then got bored and quit? 
because they already knew what to do. They raced to where they could go, and then they just weren't as engaged. Uh, that's, it's possible. And, um, I, I think that there definitely might be, you know, some burnout. Oh my, you know, I'm going to get this gold watch again. You know, I don't want to do this stuff. Like come up with something new for me. It's actually kind of rare though, for me to hear about like Tarkov people dropping out of Tarkov. Like I, I rarely run into anybody who's like, yeah, man, I used to play Tarkov, but I'm not into it. Those people tend to have not played like for at least two wipes. Like anybody who's gotten a taste of like this wipe. They've, they've stuck with it. Like, even people who gave it up for, like, a year and a half because the, the stutters were really bad before this wipe. You know, some of the other things. But, you know, additionally, I mean, there are other, like, conceptual problems with the early quests. You know, and, and they're just a function of how this game was designed. You know, a, a tremendous preponderance of the early quests are on either factory or customs because those were the first maps. You know, so those tended to be the first quests that were invented. At the beginning of a wipe, good luck trying to get a match on customs like it's it's kind of like it is now you know i mean the servers get overwhelmed after a week or two it calms down but like if you're the kind of person who's like me who wants to get in right after a wipe and knock out all those early customs quests so that you can get to level 15 and start buying stuff for cheaper you know it's a little bit of a hassle it's a little bit of a hassle some of it, you know, you keep fine. Keep the, keep the gunsmith quests, I agree. That's a good way to teach people. Like, some of the stuff should, can be the same, but they should mix it up, I think, a little bit. Like, there should be some level of variation in terms of, uh, you know, what, what just what the quest, you know, accomplishes or requires you to accomplish. If there was one task that you could remove from the game so you never had to do it again, which one would it be? Uh, it depends upon what you mean by that question. The task I would remove from the game, without question, is the one where you have to hand Skier 50,000 euros just so he'll give you 300 sniper skill points. Wait, what? Yeah, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like it serves no purpose. You don't get any EXP, nothing. It's just one you have to finish. Again, just part of the... And it's literally just give me 50,000 euros. Just give it to me. Why? Uh, just give it to me. Over 5 million rubles that I just had to hand him for no apparent reason. So that was dumb. Like, I would just be like, no. I guess, are you testing my ability to farm money? Because that's just dumb. Anyway, but if you were asking by that which one is, like, the hardest or is going to be the hardest, like, one that I wish I could get rid of, hmm, it would either be the one I just finished with the Mosin or the Shooter Born in Heaven. I th Probably Shooter Born in Heaven, just because the other maps are, are fine, but they need to remove Interchange from the equation on that <laughs> quest and put it on reserve instead. Like, that's that's an easy, no-brainer decision. It's unfair to make people hit that shot on Interchange. It just can't be done, unless you're tremendously lucky. It's, it's, I, I am planning for a week of just sitting on Interchange like this. And this is going to be me, up in one of those towers, just waiting... <laughs> Bring along a snack, you know, an MRE, a bottle of water, and sit there and wait. Like, I'm not looking forward. This is not going to be fun for me. I guess it's necessary. Interesting. Well, and it's, yeah, I, I guess I just was curious if there was one that was really bad, and that one does sound horrible. Again, I, I think we hit a lot of the stuff I wanted to hit on tasks, and a few things I wasn't planning on, which is really cool. But I guess the final thing I want to hit on this before we jump into the stuff that was on the Nikita podcast was, are there any tasks, or maybe the better way to ask this is, are there items that you got rid of in the process of leveling up and farming that you sold, and maybe you wish you wouldn't have sold for later tasks? It, we just got done telling everybody in the beginning of the game, like, sell everything everything, learn the values. You know, once you get the task, you can find it. And, and there's certain things like gas analyzers because they're early tasks, keep those. Most of the stuff sell until you need it later. But is there anything you'd recommend that people hang on to because it's either really hard to find or 
Yeah, maybe that's it. So there are, I would recommend, and, and the answer to your question is yes. So in, in addition to finishing every quest to get the capital container, you also have to turn in a series of rare items that you find in Raid. Uh, and I found in Raid both the Deadly Slaw Beard Oil and multiple cotton beanies. And those are the last two items I need. And I, I'm sure I'll find the beard oil. It's easy. The cotton beanie is a little more challenging. So yes, I wish I had kept it. But again, this was this was a lesson learned because it happened to me all the time last wipe. And so this wipe, I, and I encourage people who haven't already done this to go. They have resources on the internet thing like just type in Tarkov things you need to find and read and people have put together like literal graphical charts of every item and how many of them you need so that you'll know okay when I kill a scav and see that he's wearing a lower half mask I need to yank that and keep it you know like even if you're not on that quest because right. it becomes so much easier to do it that way than it does to oh no I have this quest that I gotta go find seven new scavs who have wet and kill them and take their mask off like that can be kind of tilting so um, yeah, go check those out. They exist. The question remains in my mind, should they exist? Again, this goes back to what I'm saying. Like, should people be able to game the system that if they, if they tweak the task every wipe, I think it would be maybe at least a little more interesting if you discovered for the first time that you needed those seven Tashankas when the therapist dropped the quest on you and not, you didn't know it like at the beginning of the wipe. Okay, every time I see a Tashanka, I'm going to keep it and just put it in my inventory and wait for that quest to come up. And then she gives you the quest. If you do it the other way, then you actually have to spend time hunting Tashankas instead of you just randomly find enough and you know in your head and then she gives you the quest and you just click a button and it's done. You know what I mean? Like the other way is, is the better way to do it, which is you force yourself to think, okay, where do I go? Where can I find Tashakas? Let me think. You know, oh, I got to probably go to Goshen, farm them out of there. You know, wherever, you know, you got to find some spots, talk to other people. Where's the Tashaka hanging out these days? You know what I'm saying? I think there's a better way they can preserve that by just switching the quest every way. Yeah, that's interesting because... Yeah, it's things like I have a hard time recommending people hang on to stuff like the tank battery. You can go to reserve and quote unquote farm a tank battery relatively easily. There's spot, there's tanks around where you can go find it. It's like if you happen to find one early in the game, it's a huge item. It's like four by two, right? It's a big item. And taking up that much inventory space, depending where you're at in your task list, I just can't recommend it, especially for a new player. I think the resources out there are awesome. I think where I would go with what you just said is to build on it to say like, are you going to try to complete all the tasks in the game? If the answer is yes to that and you want the bigger pouch size, you got to keep an eye on that list because there are things that you would never think are important that you would just sell or aren't worth a whole lot because you have to find them in raid. So if you go to sell them on the flea market because you have to find them in raid and they're only used for that one task people aren't paying a whole lot for it. So it may seem like it's not very valuable, but in fact it is. Like the cotton beanie would be one of those. If you find one of those and try to sell it on the flea market, you may get a little bit for it because it's a unique look, but you're not going to get a lot for it because it's used in a task because it has to be found in raids. So be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, what am I trying to do in the game? And use that to, again, it's great advice for from dad if you're looking to complete a bunch of tasks or you're looking to grind experience. If you're not as interested in that, probably don't want to be hanging on to stuff that you may or may not need later. Yeah, and remember that space is always at a premium, especially if you're doing like the base level of the game. And so when you when you start and you get your friends into it, they're not going to go ahead and spend the crazy money for, you know, the top level edition. That only happens after you get addicted. You got to remember that too. So that battery is taking up a whole lot of space or whatever else, those gas analyzers or that 15 Tashankas, which they're not going to find for a while anyways, but still, you're going to have some Tashankas. There, there is a balance there. That That is like, that, that's a great question for you, Dad, because literally I have no idea. I find all kinds of stuff when I'm raiding. And I'm scaving right now at this point. And some of the stuff, 
you're right. Like Mike said, some doesn't sell for a lot, but we don't know what to necessarily keep. And I'm just kind of thinking about this in real time here. Maybe we should make like have the people like that or whatever. We, we can make a list we can put up in Discord in the, the information channels of like, here, these are the things that matter at these levels. I don't know. Because it, it might be something good to break it down. It kind of exists. I think it was already posted. Here, here are the things that I would say that people should, because you're right. So like some things like a tank battery. I wouldn't hang out on a tank battery. Tank batteries are actually fairly common. You're going to you're gonna find a tank battery. If you don't, your scav case will bring you one if you build up your hideout. Don't sweat that. The items that I would say, and same thing with Tashaka. Like if you don't want to keep 15 Tashakas, Tashakas are fairly common. Just go to Goshen. It's like a freaking Tashaka factory. You can probably get enough in three, four raids. No big deal. Like no, there's a lot of that stuff. It's common enough. No sweat. Here are the things that I would say, like OFZs. Don't ever sell an OFZ. You need 10 of them and they're hard to find. So if you find one of those, keep them. Dealing with that right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is this one's going to sound weird. So Blackrock chest rigs. Um, because the ones that are on other players, and players are the ones who usually buy and wear black rocks, don't count. There's one you had to find two of them in raid. It actually is kind of tilting finding scavs that wear black rocks. If you find a black rock off a scav or off a raider, keep two of those, I would say. Other than that... Also dealing with that right now. Uh, other than that, um, it used to be uh, Wilston's was the big deal because of the uh, the mechanic quest where he requires you to find seven of every time cigarettes. But now, since you can make Wilston's in your hideout, that's that one's not such a big deal uh, anymore. Other than that, probably just like the streamer items for your Kappa container, because those can be super rare and hard to find. And so, like, look up just a list of those. I don't have enough. I know most of them off the top of my head. I'm not going to rattle off. You can just look up a list. If you do want to get the Kappa container, make sure you look up a list so that in case you run across Cotton Beanie or whatever, you'll be alerted and be like, oh. We need to save that, stash that away. Uh, tactical mustache, unbelievable. If you find one on a scav, you like that away. Again, needed for the cap container. Ooh, I have one of those. <laughs> Plus, you look awesome and when you're wearing one. If you find two, wear it. I mean, it's like an immediate 10% accuracy boost when you know you got that thick mustache on, that sequisha mustache on. Whew, man. Well, <laughs> we've done a bit of dreaming already. And I kind of want to get into a little bit more of that because we do a lot of what ifs on the show. We had this podcast that if you're not familiar with what it was, it was Nikita and some dude dressed in full Yusek garb playing EFT next to him on a podcast that they released on the Battlestate Gaming Twitch channel. It's about two hours long. It's actually hilarious to watch because Nikita, who's like, I don't know if he's the head developer or what, what you would call him for Battlestate, but he is an absolute troll, but he loves this game. He loves the community. He loves what's gone on about it. And he is so transparent. It's amazing to watch. I highly, highly encourage that you do watch it if you're into this game. What we're going to do here is, I don't know if you guys watched or watched some of the summaries or watched the whole thing. I actually watched the entire video um, and I, I kind of just took notes on some of the stuff they talked about is changing. So I want to talk about, there's two patches coming up. I want to talk about those and just some of the stuff that he said. And so we'll kind of just go through that stuff. And if, again, I think some of it is going to affect players and, and I'm really interested in what you guys think and how this is going going to affect the economy, play styles. Um, they talk about servers. They talk about all kinds of stuff. So I kind of just want to jump into it. Basically, for the rest of the show, any topic that I bring up is something that they just talked about, uh, I don't know, probably a week ago by the time you hear this. It's just fascinating. So the first thing that Nikita brought up was the server status. Um, they're renting a lot of servers. It is their top priority 
to improve the stability and the queue time situation. His feeling was that they would have this issue quote-unquote, in the U.S. servers. And he said U.S. is experiencing the biggest problem. So they're actually adding eight U.S. servers. And they basically said that the hardware is being overloaded regularly. And when you experience those stutters, it's because their CPUs are getting maxed out because of so many people funneling into the servers. The usage is really high. And that's where the lag and desync comes from. That's straight out of Nikita's mouth. They're working on it and it's their highest priority. Now, I don't know a ton about this. I've experienced a little bit of reduction in queue time and the stability just in the last, like, I would say two or three days this week has been a lot better. So what do you guys think about that? I think super interesting point about how they say they're adding eight US servers, but he did kind of say, if you catch between the lines, that it's actually dozens of physical machines in the background. And then someone asked, you know, why don't you just run this on Amazon? you know, in the cloud or whatever, so it's scalable. And I wanted to make a quick point, because that's my world, I work in IT, is that, first of all, he made the point that they would have to rewrite the game to make it run on Amazon. That That's one thing. Amazon's not just something you can just run a program on, you know, like Windows. And the other thing about how expensive it is, and if they were to do that and put it in Amazon, yes, it would scale up and it would become more usable quicker for large population spikes, but we wouldn't be able to afford to play the game because they would have to have some kind of reoccurring fee because it would just cost so much money to play. So the way that they're doing it is a compromise between cost of hosting the servers to play the game and run the game versus having it scale up quickly. He addressed that directly, and it's just a real practical matter of of cost of what it takes to run these games on the back end. Yeah, and I guess the thing where he lost me was when he was talking about how they have all this architecture in place, and it would be really hard to transfer that to Amazon servers, even if that was an option or it needed to become one. You know, so maybe I, I don't know what that means. Does that just mean that it's coded differently, or they'd have to do a lot of work on it? I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Think of it. It's like you know, it, it's written in Russian, and then to transfer it to Amazon, it has to be you know written in like Chinese. You know, it's just not the same thing. It's just they're, they're two very different ways of going about running. Uh, application. And so that kind of gets into the weeds of how IT infrastructure hosts games and SaaS applications for businesses and everything. They're not just things you can move back and forth without doing lots of development time. And so I, I, I think what they're doing is reasonable. I kind of expected that. I mean, they're not making enough money yet with this to have that kind of like scalable backend infrastructure that goes up and down, kind of like the bigger games, you know, that have... Right, because they had a big influx of cash, but there's nothing recurring yet. Right, and so the thing is with with stuff like this is when they launch the game, they're going to have to figure out a way to have reoccurring revenue, whether it's like what PUBG does with selling skins and selling things like that. At the end of the day, that's their way of creating reoccurring revenue to run the game, right? Tarkov has to figure this out because people mostly frown upon some kind of monthly sub, which is actually the cheapest way to have a game like this be funded. So it's going to be interesting to see how they solve that problem because they're going to get to a point where, fine, you can have millions of people playing it, but they only pay once. And then you you burn your cash pile and you still have to make the game work. So they're going to have content packs. They're going to have skins. He talked about, you know, different armor things, which we'll get into. And I think all of that is going to be their strategy to fund the game long term. So Well, (laughs) they kind of have a reoccurring payment system right now. 
because the game's so good that you buy the standard edition and then within two weeks you want to buy the <laughs> EOD version because you want the stash and everything with it. And the game's good enough that a lot of people justify that second purchase uh, right now. So they they have that, but it's <laughs> I know that's not a sustainable thing because I guess the thing that comes to my mind is Part of the EOD edition is that you have access to all future DLC. So they're saying there's going to be DLC, but I, I actually am really curious like what the split is on, you know, standard. I can't remember what the other versions are called, but it it would actually be fascinating to see like what percentage of people have EOD. Yeah, and I'm also curious as like the skins thing, like my understanding of, you know, kind of their their ethos or their vision of this game is that is that it is not ever going to have, you know, hot pink AKs. They want it to remain hardcore, like individually, like they're very married to that. I, I guess, you know, as long as it kind of stays in the green, brown and black, you know, color family, you know, people will, you know, maybe be interested in that. But, you know, you, you could... Look, there are people in this game who would 100%, you know, give a little bit of real money here or there for special loot items or special, you know, or just flat out rubles on the marketplace. Now, the question would become, do you want to allow that? Is that something that you want to, you know, have in your game? Do you want to make people earn the money one way or the other? I don't know. I don't have all the answers to that. You know, I agree. You know, to have something that has, like, if you think about a game that has a really super long shelf life that stays like something like a GTA 5. It's, it's going to have some way that people keep dropping their coins in the machine, not just the purchase price. I don't know right now of an easy way for Tarkov to fit that while changing. Like, they seem really married to we We are hardcore. We are not going to be putting in your, you know, your pink skinned uh, AK, you know, or you're not going to be able to wear like some ridiculous outfit. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We'll see. There was a point where somebody asked in chat during this podcast, they were reading off of Reddit and chat and someone was asking for a kill cam right into that hardcore point he would laughed he said no there will never be a kill cam in this game like you you'll get a damage report but you will never have a kill cam like they want people playing hardcore you don't have to give up your spot that person can't see where you got killed where they killed you but I, I worry about this because I mean again we uh Dad, you and I played a lot of PUBG, but PUBG had some skins that had heavy advantages in the game. And it wasn't intended. It was actually the green tracksuit that was the last color that rendered in on the engine for a while. So a lot of the pro players and competitive players would buy this green fluorescent tracksuit because if you were scanning an area with your scope, the last color that would load in was this green one. So you would often scope past a player prone in the grass and their clothing wouldn't render in, making them more camouflage than something that was patterned like grass or a ghillie suit. So I worry about in-game items if they start selling them because it becomes kind of pay to win. And in a game like this, if you can gain a little bit of an edge, I think there's a lot of people that would buy it, which would absolutely be a cash influx, but it hurts sustainability of players because there's a lot of players that probably had a hard time coming up with just standard edition money. So that's a really slippery slope if they start saying like, ooh, hey, we released this awesome new brown camo ghillie suit that you can buy or, or whatever it is because it, it may be OP and that, that can really hurt a game like well, this. Well, I think that you, you made an important point there, Trigger, 
character that, and I, just to kind of underline, the people will do anything in this game. It's actually insane. I don't have this perspective, but like, even though we wipe every six months or nine months or whatever it is, they will do anything to get like an advantage. So this, this used to be a thing. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but you used to could improve your recoil control skill by, you know, you know, when an SKS is full, you can still put a bullet in the top. You just hit reload and it'll put another one in. Every time you did that, it would give you recoil control skill. So people would like the first thing they would do in a wipe and they calculated it takes 19 hours of gameplay. They would go sit there with an SKS and the cheapest dirt cheap ammo and sit in a corner and for 19 hours and they would start the wipe with max with a legal control skill. That's the player base of this game. So that's a good thing in one respect because it like, you know, these are dedicated people who really love the product, but you have to be careful about stuff like that. You know, Battlestate could like take advantage of that. Like any kind of like, you know, hey, you can buy 20 levels of stamina for 20 bucks. Dude, I know 50% of the people I play with would be like, here's my $20. Shut up and take my money. You know, like, but do you want to do that to the game? Is that something you want to have happen to the game? I don't know. What if, well, two things. First of all, I agree with both of you that I think the risk to Tarkov, now that they have an influx of people, is how to sustain it. But what if what if they did these kind of add-ons for only for scavs? Or if there was a game mode that wasn't tied to necessarily long-term progression or something? I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, if you could still loot items... You know, that maybe would help you, but they, but you, you couldn't get any add-on for your PMC. What do you think about that? Well, the rumor is that they're going to, the scav progression is going to become a thing as well in the future. Like your scav is going to be able to get, like you're going to have scav quests and stuff. Like you, you can already have scav progression, like you can progress your scav's physical skills. That's already a thing, but you can like, it's already going to become like scav is going to become like your second PMC is what I've heard. I, I guess is, is, is rumor. I don't, I don't know if that's still in, but prior to the last wipe, that was, that was the word is that in coming iterations of the game. So I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to see scavs wearing a, you know, a pink hoodie either as much as, as fun as it is in PUBG. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I don't know how that, what for that would take that would fit kind of the ethos of like a post-apocalyptic world and maybe maybe it's just me maybe i'm the only one that feels this way but part of what makes this game so fun to me is that the atmosphere is so like immersive like everything from the lighting on down and even with the glitches like i've never had a game like like feel as immersive as this one and i just hope that nothing tinkers with that yeah and i think the hardest thing to balance is the experience for the other player and this is such a weird thing in a game like this and i'm going to tie this back to your point eric because your point about the scav like at first i was like oh that might be able to work but if you think about the other player that if you have a chad scav which is what i'm now going to call that situation (laughs) if you had a chad scav and you dominate a pmc with your scav that can bench press like 310 that person's gonna feel like crap Right, they're gonna be like that dude paid to like you know get steroids for his scab, and he just dominated me and took the gear that I worked for on my PMC. I don't think that situation could go well unless it was a completely separate area. Like like anything you do to affect the economy, I don't. I just don't know how they could do anything in game that was paid that wouldn't affect this game negatively 
from a microtransaction standpoint, unless it was like decorating your hideout or something like that. And the last thing, the last thing this game needs is anything that makes scabs better. Like I'm already of the uh, player scabs in particular. I'm already of the opinion that a Vepper Hunter should not spawn on a scav. And I'm not, I'm not the only, probably like over 50% of players in Tarkov who've been around for a while have that same, like take the Vepper Hunters out of the scavs hands. Like a scav should be able to kill you. But like, if you're a Chad PMC, like they, they need to hit a face shot. They should not be able to tap you in the chest, like with any weapon. And that makes sense to me as I don't know. Anyway. But go ahead. Go ahead, Ronald. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interject. No, no. I, I mean, there's definitely a good point in that. What I was going to say was that, okay, so if you don't want to change the scav or the PMC with an ability that you can buy. What about other games have addressed this to try to monetize the game by providing like XP boosts or things like that for either, you know, like artificial XP boosts. Now, I mean, that doesn't make your in-game it just makes your in-game progression go a little faster or the other way around, say that the free-to-play version of the game still is, everything is there, but it just progresses slower. You know what I mean? I personally, and Trigger may have different philosophy on this, I personally would rather, and this is not my call, I'd be fine, like, I don't care. If people want to buy a bunch of EXP, fine. I'm never going to do it, even though I would have the money to do it. I play video games because I think they're fun, like it's fun to progress through. But whatever. If people want to do it, that's fine with me. I would strongly prefer that they just not allow you to pay any money to get any in-game advantage whatsoever other than you know having the gamma container versus the alpha container i think that's a fair thing to ask people to pay for i think the answer that we've already touched upon is the monthly subscription this game and i get that it's probably like from an fps perspective it's not usual to see a game have the monthly subscription fee but this this game although it is a good fps game really is is more similar to a World of Warcraft or a Diablo for which you would pay the Blizzard fee. Like this, this is the kind of game that I think this player base, as long as it stays reasonable, like you know, it's a seven ninety nine, nine ninety nine a month. Uh, if they come out with a finished product that's as good as I think it can be, and people know that they can have a character life of years and years that remain interesting and relevant to the game, I think they will. They'll pay the fee, and I think to me it seems like the answer. Yeah. So. I guess I'll stop kind of dancing around like what my opinion really is. I appreciate the you letting me ask the question to you. I think that Tarkov is going to have to find a space in like the Eve model. I think it's going to have to end up being like a triple A, triple A MMO or a triple A FPS game. What I don't know is I don't know exactly what the appetite is for gaming now for that. Because if you think about it, today, games are being purchased with passes, you know, th- those those kinds of things. Like, like for example, and on console, right? You have the Xbox Pass, you got the PlayStation Pass, but you get tons and tons of games for 10 bucks a month. You don't get one game for 10 bucks a month. And so if you go on Steam, right, there's the Halo thing. I'm not totally familiar with it, but there's game passes that give you bunches of games. I don't know what price point they can price it at. And I don't know if they can make enough money at that price point. But I think that they're going to have to find a way to convince people to pay for it without giving them any advantage other than just being able to play it. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? And I think it's right now, like, I'm actually really curious. So, you know, last episode, we asked everyone to identify whether they're a Chad or a rat. I think I'm actually really curious. Like, if you're when you listen to this, if you're in the Discord, let us know. Like, are you, do you think there's a good model or what kind of model do you think they should do for pushing this game forward from a money standpoint, right? Because I think everyone knows that upfront sales aren't sustainable. 
Like it'll run for a time, but they've got to find a way to monetize it down the road. So do you think subscription would work? Do you think there's some other way? So let us know in the Discord on this one. For me personally, I think it's kind of a combo of some of this stuff. And I think for me, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Dad, where I don't think I'd like to see it where it's a pay to win. And then Eric, you bring up a good point that they, they have to find some sustainable model that maybe it's an MMO type model or Eve. And I, I think there's a couple things that I've seen recently that I really like. And I guess the model, as I'm thinking about this and I've put three minutes of thought into it, but what comes to mind is the XP boost is probably the most natural one. But I think the best way to balance veteran players and beginners and the pay to win. You have to balance all three of those, right? Because there's going to be beginners that can't pay to win. There's going to be beginners that can pay to win. And there's going to be veterans. And there's going to be veterans that are willing to pay to win as well. So they're good at the game and they can pay. And it's balancing that person with the brand new player that can't pay to win. I think XP is an okay place to do this. I guess the way I'd like to see them do it if it was going to be done is you could earn it, but you could only earn it in the previous white. So if we were in a season right now, I'd like you to be able to earn the XP bonus now for the next wipe, and then it could also be bought at the beginning of the wipe for a new player or a player that didn't earn, you know, maybe you earn certain hours of it or something like that, where it's available to purchase, but it's also earned. And I think that's the way I'd like to see it done for me personally, is that that way, if somebody does want to pay and get it, great. But the people that are dedicated to the game already and loving it, earn that for the next season. The reason I think that a, that a subscription model would work, and, and I take Ronald's point, I think it's valid. The difference is a lot of those other games, like a lot of other games people play as part of like a, um, you know, a collection of other games. Like that's one of the many games that they play. What Tarkov has is a 80 to 90% of the people who play Tarkov either play Tarkov pretty much exclusively or it's like 95% of what they play. It's very similar to WoW in that way. And, that, and that's why WoW is a able to charge people you know because that the wow people that was it man they came home they played wow and that was it and they went to bed you know what i'm saying like very seldom uh, or, or a lot of those you know they, they didn't, so they were willing okay look this is my entertainment for the month this is basically my netflix i'll pay the 99 bucks a month you know and do it so i think that the, the tarkov community is the same way yeah I, I think you're right actually because i think what's happening is let me back up and just say i think tarkov is one of those games that it's easy to lose yourself in like the amount of time that you're putting into it and so there's not not a lot of space to continue to play other games when you're playing Tarkov because you find yourself really wanting to get better at it just because it's it's so dynamic, right? So who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? I think we're going to be in a situation soon, though. If a game explodes, right? If they sell another, say, another million copies, right? The development of the, of a AAA game is not cheap. All the server structure, server infrastructure is not cheap. So that we're going to be in a place soon where they're going to have to figure out a funding model that's going to work. It'd be interesting to see what they come up with, but I think all those options are possible. And I'll round this off by just saying, the only reason Trigger wants to earn it for the next wipe, everybody, is because he hasn't paid for WoW in like seven years because he plays the auction house and buys Blizzard cash. <laughs> I love the fleet market and I love the auction house. Never take them away from me. He's exactly right. <laughs> I'm just, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, it, it's... Again, uh, this is why I love these, just getting info from the devs, because we can speculate, put our thoughts out there, and, and who knows what they're going to do. But what we know is coming out here soon are two patches, and there's going to be a patch that is probably releasing the day before 
you hear this or just came out. And this is what is just fixes improvements. There's no features being added in this patch. It's supposed to just be improvements to the game as we know it from a stability standpoint. So that's coming right now, either as you're hearing this or just before you're hearing this. It's the second patch that is coming soon, TM, that has a bunch of new stuff. So I kind of want to dig into that. And I put this first point on here intentionally because of our guest. So they're adding in an overweight system. And basically what it means is there'll be, I think it's a a scale of things. They, They didn't really break it down completely. But if you're overweight the thought is that you're not going to be able to sprint anymore. Uh, they didn't talk about whether it's going to slow you down like a percentage slowdown, but you know the thought process here is kind of like if you're pistol running and you go find a tank battery, uh, you can no longer sprint. Right, it's it's going to be too heavy. I just I just find this fascinating that we're not getting rid of the ability to pistol run, but they're going to make it really hard to get out. And they're also targeting the loot goblins <laughs> that, that pick up every piece of loot possible. If they bring that to fruition, I love the idea. Like I I'm sure I'll be tilted by it more than once, but I think that it you know I I have so I don't know if you guys have ever played Skyrim. I played a ton of Skyrim back in the day, but that it has the same mechanic. You get overweight, you suddenly can't run anymore. It forces you into some really interesting in-game choices uh, that I think are going to be really fascinating. I'm about it. And this this one of the things I do like about this game is that every time they come out with a change, even if I'm initially skeptical, like this hideout thing that came out with this wipe, like the whole idea of you're not healed when you get out of a raid, everybody was like, mm, I don't know. Turns out to be actually, it's kind of like a, a cool thing, a little bit, you know, working on your hideout and grinding that stuff. I trust the devs and the direction that they're going. I think it's going to add a super interesting dimension to the game. I'm all about it, even though I'm certainly not looking forward to if I, you know, if I want to get this 1.5 billion dollars worth of gear out of here, I got to walk all the way out. That's I'm sure going to be a terrifying experience for me. <laughs> I think that's fun. I think that's I think that's a good choice they're going to force me to make. You know what I mean? Like, okay, do I really want this last piece of thing, or do I want to drop it? so I can run, you know, uh, that, that'll be interesting. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I do too. I actually think this is a, it makes sense, right? It's a logical thing. I like to play solo a lot. And I actually think this is a stealth buff to the solo play style and not from a pistol running or a hatchling standpoint. But a lot of times, if you want to go to a high loot area, if you're playing solo, the best thing you have going for you is stealth. It is, you know, it's being able to not have to worry about sounds from other players. And I kind of made a joke based on this earlier, but, you know, a squad comes in and there's always a loot goblin. There's always one guy in the squad that is gobbling everything up, doesn't matter how much it weighs. And as a solo player, I think this is going <laughs> to, it's going to make it interesting, right? Because somebody gets overweight in a, in a squad, it's going to be really hard for them to catch up or the team has to slow down and be with them. It's no longer going to be four guys sprinting across at the same time or three guys sprinting across. It's going to make squad dynamics a little bit harder. And it's not going to change solo dynamics a whole lot more because when you're playing solo, you know, at least one of the best tips I have is don't sprint unless you really got to get somewhere quicker. You're trying to be first, but sprinting makes a lot of noise. And so it's just fascinating to me that this will add so much strategy, really, I think in the squad dynamic than anywhere else. Because if somebody gets some fantastic loot and they're overweight, they're gonna be like, wait for me, stop. I'm out in the open, which is either going to, again, they're either going to get left behind or their team's going to have to slow down with them. So this is actually probably going to add way more strategy in the game over something that might seem pretty minor to people. Let's see. uh, Other things. 
Um, they're adding in a quick heal service. And you're also going to get a death report. So basically, like how you died, they alluded to maybe distance you died from or the types of ammo, where you got hit, that kind of thing. And then you're going to also be able to pay therapist uh, to just heal you a quick heal service. And price of that will be dependent on your rep with therapist. So presumably when this comes in, the better your rep with therapist, the cheaper it is to just heal yourself up. So I think that's kind of cool. I think that's just kind of a quality of life kind of thing. This next point freaks me out. They're adding new clothing and new weapons. And this is all for the second patch. It's not the one that's out right now or coming out right now. They're adding new clothing, new weapons. And one of those weapons is a grenade launcher. And this terrifies me, man. I hate explosive projectiles in FPS games. I feel like rocket launchers, grenade launchers, they ruin games. And the only encouraging thing that I heard from Nikita was, and I think he was alluding to Call of Duty when he said this, but he's like, it's not going to be a grenade launcher that you just go poof and they die. So I don't know what that means, but this freaks me out. I get that you're freaked out, but I went through this already with the mounted guns on reserve that everybody those came out again with this patch as a brand new thing this patch and everybody's like, "What? Mounted guns? That's going to change like this whole thing like is going to change." And what you see immediately already and you've seen it the trigger we had it just the other day. Somebody gets on one of those mounted guns, probably less than 15 seconds later they're dead. You know like <laughs> this game there's a really high cost using anything that like you know starts a lot of sound you know same thing with you flip that switch on the reserve every eye that's alive on the map zooms to that building and like knows like so i I suspect that they're gonna probably limit the way that it changes like it's gonna be like the mounted guns on reserve like number one they're gonna have a limited field of fire each of those mounted guns on reserve you have like maybe 10 degrees you can go back and forth it's kind of nutty actually how useless they are i think it's probably gonna be like that you can only hit like certain areas of the map secondly it's probably Probably gonna be like not like you're gonna probably have to like drop like an actual grenade in like you probably they're probably gonna make you bring your like ammo like some OFZ you know chuck grenade like it's something I don't know what the deal is gonna be but I I, I trust them to, I, I get your apprehension but I trust them to get it right if anything I feel like it's probably something nobody's gonna use or it's gonna be used once in a blue moon yeah and I just realized that it's probably gonna be weight related. Right. right. So with the new weight system, if you bring in a grenade launcher, you're probably not going to be able to loot a whole lot. Oh, are you? Are they talking about like one that you can carry around with you, not the one that's like mounted? That's what freaks me out, dude. That's what he's alluding to. See, now you're freaked yeah, out. That's a little. That's a little more troubling. <laughs> uh, like an underbarrel launcher to a See? regular gun. Is that? Is that? That's what I'm saying, dude. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, but about. think about too. Like the penalty of sound in this game is so high. Like you were saying, Dad, that maybe that's going to be like the mitigating factor to it. Like if you are carrying it around and you, if you have to drop it or set it up somehow, you know what I mean? You know, and if it makes a bunch of noise, if you have three or four seconds of like setup time, you know, you might get killed. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Cause no one knows exactly yet, but it could be interesting. But, uh, I'm excited for this, this next point. Are you talking about the, the armor deal? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, we can go ahead with the armor one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm excited for a possible boss on Shoreline. You know, if they put an actual boss on Shoreline, they could put it in so many different places that could make it so much fun. Because it doesn't just have to be only in the main resort area. You could put it in one of 
any number of areas and it could actually be a really good time. And what I what I like about Shoreline, it's a great it's a great map to learn the different things about Tarkov, the different play styles, all of them. You can learn all of them. You can go hot into the resort where there's a bunch of people, close quarters combat. You can learn the sniper game and different parts of the map. You can, you know, you can learn exfil camping for people that do that. You can learn all, all kinds of different things. There's a river that runs down the middle. You have to make a conscious choice on how you're going to cross that. And there's a safe way to cross it, but that has a that has a very high cost of time. There's all kinds of good stuff with it. And so I, I think that a, a boss on Shoreline would just make that map better, in my opinion. I personally hope that he is planted in the resort and inside the resort and never leaves it. I'm guilty of this, okay? The game gives it to me. I'm gonna use it. The resort is amazing and a ton of fun to fight. And every time you get there when you're geared up, all the good stuff is already gone. Because it's so far from all of the spawn points, the pistol runners are going to get there first. Like, way before anybody who's way down with any gear. They're gonna sprint in, they know where all the stuff is, they're gonna yoink all the stuff out, and then the fully geared chads are gonna show up and fight over scraps i would love to see them put a guy who's like just put him right in the middle of that walkway and have him walk back and forth who's all geared up who would just clap everybody who tries to run in there with a hatchet or a pistol but if you come if you come in i'll chat it up to fight the place like i think it's meant to be fought you can you know beat him you know and and, and you know the pistol runner so i that's my personal hope for the shoreline boss but i think they've done a really good job with all of the bosses the Sturman has really livened up the woods like a lot like that used place used to be kind of just dead just a wide open field for nothing to happen in but with Sturman added in there and the rework that they did in the middle that it really improved the whole map is in terms of how fun it is now and i think it'll have the same effect on shoreline yeah so one of the things i want to add to your point about uh the pistol runners going into resort and coming out with all the good loot this is where like the rat play style i, I love this so you're right that's exactly what happens and i wait for them and i kill them and take the good stuff i've done that <laughs> I've done that a couple times now where I have killed some people coming out of resort and I just go loot them like, holy cow, <laughs> you know, this guy is, this guy's carrying like, you know, 600k worth of stuff. And I think that you're right. It's annoying if you want to run in there, I'll chat it up and, and get it. But there's a way of playing that can mitigate that too, because we can sit and snipe them and take all their stuff. I think that the resort is meant for the chads, is what I'm trying to say. I think you should have to gear up and run in there and be ready to fight. Like, it's not fair that I, I today, I played about eight hours today. I just get a little low on money from doing all these crazy quests. And so I was like, I'm just going to go pistol run the resort. I played for about eight hours using nothing but a pistol and a burkett and yoinked $10 million out of that place. A lot of times I was in and out, had hit every Ledex spawn and blue key card spawn spot before the player showed up. And as I was leaving, I heard the players show up and start fighting with each other. And I know they're going to get in there and they're going to have this big old fight and they're going to, you know, they're be like, woohoo, we fight and then they're going to go through. There's no lead X's here. There's, there's no blue key cards here. Sorry. Dabcaster took him with his pistol and his burkett. You know, I mean, that's but if the game's going to give that to me, I'm going to do it, right? I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know. But but what's wrong with that though? Because because think about that. Think about you either you have a choice. You can go in there and you can fight. And you can do that, or you can go in there and just get your stuff and get out quick. Because you didn't go in there to fight. You don't want to fight those chads. You'd lose. You just want to get the stuff and get out. But I'm being inordinately rewarded 
Right. He's he's arguing the other way, actually. I think you guys are saying the same thing. Right. I, I don't think it's fair that I should be able to get so rich at the expense of people who actually come into a raid looking to fight with gear on. And I guess, yeah, whatever. You can play the game however you want to play it. You can be, you know, basically a glorified scav even on your PMC runs. That's that's fine. I just think that for a, pl- for a place like Resort, plopping a boss in there who spawns half the time, who's going to clap you immediately if you step in there with a pistol, I think would improve the fun that it has for... Because I think it's it's a tremendous amount of fun to get chatted up with a squad of two or three guys and go into that resort and bang it out in the hallways. Like, that's one of my favorite parts of all of the maps to fight. And there's no point to doing it now because other than the gear you're going to tank off the people that you kill, the place is going to be picked clean of the lead X's and the other good loot by the time you get there because of the, the rats. Not the rats. The, the, that's a rat and a difference. The scavs, the pistol runners. So I think that... Battlestate has to be aware of what's going on in the resort. And it stands to reason that the resort's probably going to at least be most of the spawn points for this boss. It'd be cool if he had maybe a secondary one. I do think that it probably needs some balancing because if you go watch any stream right now of somebody who's farming, a lot of times it's on shoreline just because of the Ledex spawns, the key card. And you made the great point. If you sprint up there with when you're not weighed down, you can get up there really quick. And while your comment, Ronald, about being able to just shoot them as they leave is great, if that person has the EOD pouch or the Kappa container and you're pulling 600k off of them from the stuff that, that you could loot, they probably have, you know one to three million in their pouch. It's, it's not a complete answer to the problem. But it, it is it is interesting because it, it may it seems like there's a little bit too much reward for someone who's just going to sprint up there with nothing on right now. I, I actually agree with you. What needs to happen to this game, what desperately needs to happen, this was actually one of the pre-wipe events and it was wildly unpopular for people who played the game, you know, the kind of traditional way. Even they didn't like it. But it needs to happen, I think, for the integrity of the game. Is that you just need to not be able to put things in your security container after the raid starts. Like, you can have stuff in it. Whatever you have in it at the start of the raid, you can keep in it effective. If you take it out of the secured container, it's out, and you can't put it back in. And you also can't put anything you find in the raid in the secured container. I think that that has to be what happens to the game to to stop the freaking hatchet running. I get, okay, you can play the game however you want, but it's, it's frustrating because features on the maps like the resort are designed to force PvP action. And right now, they're not serving that function because the juicy loot that's supposed to be there, everyone knows is going to be gone uh, because people will have stuffed it in their secured container. You know what I mean? And that's what enables the hatchet running and the pistol running to like occur and be a wildly popular playstyle. If you make people risk, and, and think about this, think about this as well. Not only will that put an end to the pistol running and the hatchet running, but it'll once again bring back the phenomenon of when you kill somebody, not only could you get good armor and guns, but they might also have a Ledex stuffed in their backpack. Like how awesome would that be of a thing to find, right? I mean, and like it increases the, the tension for the rest of like if you find a lead X, you know, now you can't nowadays somebody just oh I've stuffed that in a game. Okay, we're good, let's keep you know going here. Then if some one of your teammates finds a lead X, they're gonna be, we gotta go right now, right now. And like the tension for the rest of the raid like is amped up like to a billion. I think that's that has to be the play. And I think that's probably what's coming. See, and I, I guess I would argue it the other way because I play more than the average player. 
And I think hatchet running is about the only way for a casual player to maintain any kind of, I don't know, economy balance with people that are playing more. And in this game, and I'm imagining in the early wipe, it's even more pronounced. But, you know, when you run into somebody who's just completely juiced up, if you don't have a whole lot of gear on, like, they just dominate you. I feel like... Again, we talked about it from a from the pay to win strategies, but it's balancing the streamer who's playing the game 50 hours plus a week on stream and has been playing it a long time and then the new person and learning maps, being able to take some loot out even if you die. I don't know. I actually think it's more important to the game for the balance between the hardcore players and the casual. And I think that's an important balance to keep because if you scare away all the casuals, it's going to be kind of like we're seeing some other games right now where it's just hardcore people left and new people join. They play a couple matches, you know, any Battle Royale game is that way now. Apex, uh, <laughs> PUBG, you name it. New players in those games get dominated because they've scared away all the casuals. So I think this game did a phenomenal job attracting the casuals and I'd hate to see them do something like that that would really draw a hard line on people that don't have as much time to play the game. Well, let me say a couple of things. I don't, I don't think it's casuals who are doing the hatchet I really don't. I think the hatchet runners and the pistol runners are people who play just as much as they're. They're just trying to, they're just, I don't know, they figured out a way that that's a way to, to easily farm money. Let me also say that I don't, that disparity has always existed in Tarkov and it still exists now. To me, I think it serves as an incentive to play the game more. That was like my, at least that, that was my philosophy on it. And it seems to be the philosophy of most other people. And that's what is making people grind this game. And they love it. And they play it so much. When they get clapped by someone where they're like, man, I want to be that guy next time. I, I want to have that Chad gear. How do I get, I got to level up. I got to, I got to, yeah. you know, I got to grind this game. I got to start being able to buy some better stuff from the traders. You know, I got to go look out there and, and find myself some better guns. So next time I'm in that, like, quite frankly, if I run across, a, you know, a level 10 player, I should probably kill him nine times out of 10. Like, that's part of the reason that I've, that I've grinded so much is this so I can go in there, you know, rocking the, you know, the Giselle in a, in a you know, a helmet with a face shield and a, and a meta M4 with Reaper on there, which by the way, Reaper's probably something needs to be done about the Reapers <laughs> in this game. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's part of why I've played 900 hours this wipe, like, is so that I can stomp around and basically be God on these maps. It's fascinating to look at both sides of it because the other side of me, as you were talking on your second point there, and the Reapers are nuts, by the way. But I, I guess I sat there thinking about something you said, and it would actually be really cool if you had the idea in the back of your head that regardless of who you killed, they may have looted something that you want to take out and it's not just stuffed away in their secure container. That's fascinating to me because I didn't play that pre-wipe event, but knowing that you know, you kill anybody and they may have a Red Labs key card on it. Talk about palm sweat, Eric. <laughs> you know, you, you get in a situation like that more often. I, it, it could be really interesting. You know, I, I, can, I can see myself on both sides of that. Yeah, I... um. I understand what you're saying, Dad. You know, I, I actually could probably more agree with you, but, but I'm going to be honest with you. If they made that change, it would scare off 60% of the player base and the game would die. All games that go hardcore or have some form of like this, they go through this problem of retaining players that have 900 hours and that have 10 hours, and they need to monetize both players. You're not going to quit because of this. You're just going to be annoyed, but the player that plays 10 hours is going to quit. And they need to make money from both of you. 
And so at the end of the day, the analytics in the game are going to tell them that they need to cater some things more towards the masses of people in order to make the game viable. And so that's why I just don't think they'll ever make it so that Ugamma is not something that you can't take out. The other piece of it about, is it dirty to run there run there with their pistol and grab something and leave? Maybe. It's annoying to a 900-hour player. It's almost irrelevant to a 10-hour player, right? And so somewhere in the middle there, you start to realize that, okay, if I can only play, instead of playing 50 hours a week or 20 hours a week, whatever, if I have five hours a week to play and I have to maximize that five hours to try to keep up in even a small way with the 50-hour-a-week people... I just I just don't see them changing that. And it just comes down to they need people to play and you're gonna lose all the casual players if they if you if you make changes like that. And I'm open to being wrong. The funny part though is it, <laughs> the casual player may benefit from it. It's fascinating, right? Because the casual player may benefit in the way that you know you get that Vepper Hunter that if they remove the secure container or the do of the change that you suggest that you can't put stuff in it and once you take it out it can't go back in. If they leave the Vepper Hunter the way it is, you know you kill that juice guy and you have a chance to get some some really good stuff. It, it may incentivize the casual player differently and they may get rewarded as well. I, it's fascinating. I'm I'm curious to see what they do with well, it. Well, I'm a strong advocate of the Vepper Hunter. I just don't think they should spawn on scavs. Like Vepper Hunter is probably the most important weapon in the game in a lot of respects because it is the one weapon that gives a level one player who's wearing a pack of armor a chance against a chad wearing gen 4 you have to have a weapon that does that 100 keep the vepper hunter in the game just don't let it spawn on scavs is all i was trying to say like i get it you gotta give a level five player a puncher's chance against a level 50 at least totally agreed and i don't i don't even mind the people being able to put stuff in their secured container on principle. As long as you come into a raid with a weapon equipped in your number two slot or something you can put. Like, I just, the hatchet running, it's detrimental to the game, not just because it annoys people like me. It's because maps are designed, especially in Tarkov, they are designed to create a certain flow based upon probable spawns of high value loot. And those are being destroyed right now by the hatchet runners. And so it's it's affecting the maps are not functioning in the way that they're designed to function and it's killing certain maps like it's actually like <laughs> i'm seeing i'm hearing less and less like pmc fights in the resort nowadays like uh, you know as i as i went today there were only probably three or four big fights that i heard either on the way or on the way back that used to be like all the time that's what you would hear so i just think something has to be done to get either the hatchet runner or the pistol runner thing like fixed and clearly the you know reset to one hit point instead of 135 is not getting the job done because it's in my opinion i see more hatchet runners now than i literally ever have at any point in the game I, i don't know what the right solution is Maybe it's something like you can only put stuff into your cap container if you come with like armor, a helmet, and a main gun. Yes, now your cap container is open and you can put stuff in there. And I don't want to like I don't want to say that you should it should be illegal to come in a game with just a hatchet. There are quests that you should do with a hatchet. Like some of these ones where you have to put place stuff in some insanely dangerous place and you're by yourself. Hundred percent, man. Put that Giselle in your secure container. Run up there to the to the you know stage in front of the mall and prone out and just hope you don't get shot for thirty seconds or a minute or how long it takes you to put that stuff in there. There's no sense in doing that with a full gear. It shouldn't be used as a mass profit device, I think, just because I think of what it's doing to the maps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is there... So this is a question for you, Dad, because you've played longer than both Mike and I have. Has there been things like this that have been fads? 
that have died off? Uh, they they actually Battlestate has done a pretty good job, I think, of addressing a lot of kind of quality of life issues and, and problems that they've had. I think that this new thing that they've done with the flea market, I think, has been really good. Like uh, just eliminating the one minute waiting period, and I, I get why the one minute waiting period was there to start with, but I think it's completely eliminated the abuse of of the botters. So uh, there's nothing I could think of like the hatchet running that's 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 been a kind of an, an endemic problem. I will say one thing that they did do, which was in response. So it used to be this was a guaranteed thing. If you killed a hunter scav, they were guaranteed to have M61 in their hunter as scavs. That's insane. So if you killed a hunter scav, it, like, like it, it was. Automatic and M61 used to be like the M995, by far the most expensive ammo in the game. So you would always go loot them and unload their mags, even if you took nothing else off their body and take however many M61 rounds they had. You know, they have nerfed the, them somewhat. They do listen to the players, they do respond, they do make changes. They they know that the hatchet running is driving everyone crazy. They know that it's well, people who actually gear up to go on runs are not getting loot, they're not finding interesting, valuable loot anywhere they go, you know, and it's it's driving the you know kind of the hardcore intense players crazy and i i think they'll, they'll eventually fix it they're really good i think at responding to quality of life changes so i'm hopeful on that front but something does need to be done in my opinion before we move off this topic though i gotta ask the question that i'm sure at least half the people listening are gonna ask why don't the geared up chads just kill the hatchet runners what why, why are you getting there or the you know the chad getting there so much later than the hatchet runners because part of what running with a hatchet gives you is the ability to not live with fear. Because if you die, you don't care. So when I when I run into the resort with a pistol and a burkett, my total loadout cost me thirty five thousand. I don't even like check my quadrants when I'm running it. I just full on sprint send it. If you're coming in with seven hundred k of gear on, you're not. I don't care. You're not gonna. Uh, approach it that way. You're you're just simply not going to sprint up to the resort. Like you're going to be on the look. You're going to scan in the horizon for scabs. You know, like you're going to be usually communicating with your teammates. You know, like trying to you know figure out what's the best way to approach. Da 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 da. da because it matters a lot to you if you get clapped. You know, on the way into the resort. Whereas if I get clapped on the way into the resort, like I don't even jump scare anymore. I just go back. Another pistol. Another burkett. You know, hit that grizzly and I'm ready to go. Like 15 seconds later, I'm back into the into the queue. Isn't that just gear fear? You know what I mean? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come in here because I don't think so. I think in general, it's a fair statement that you make. I think it's different. I think the reality is that when you're geared up and going to the resort looking to fight, I think there's a difference between gear fear and strategically clearing an area. And I guess you could argue that those are aspects of gear fear, but to dad's point, like he's not checking corners. He doesn't care if someone's down the hall and claps him because he's just going to go spend 35k and come back in again so that he can stuff stuff in his secured container. The person with a bunch of gear isn't going to run down the middle of a hallway at full sprint on the resort because they don't want to leave someone behind them in a room that's just sitting there camping waiting for them to come in to kill him. The hatchet runner doesn't care about that room. They're just running and moving on. So I, I don't think it's gear fear. I, I'm, I'm challenged by the way you brought it up because it's not the context that I would associate with it. It's related. But I guess I, I would just say that most people approaching a fight or an area where they're expecting to fight like the resort, by the time you get there with your gear, you can expect that on the other side of the resort, there's probably at least a person or another team that's got there with gear. You're going to approach it 
as there's an enemy there that's dangerous, and the hatchet runner doesn't care about dangerous enemies because they don't have enough stuff on them for them to care. Yeah, I think, and again, I'm I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just playing devil's advocate for the sake of trying to cover a swath of people who have an opinion on this. I think it, the argument could be made that they're just playing the game differently and it annoys people that they're not playing the game the right way. In air quotes. I don't think it's that. I think that I think it may be as simple as adjusting spawns on shoreline or the scav boss coming in, right? You were excited about the scav boss coming in. I think it's a great idea. I think that the point dad was trying to make, and I kind of agree with it, is because of the way that the weight system currently works and your stamina currently works, you are highly incentivized. If you were going to just run for loot, you're more incentivized to carry less stuff and a lower value on your equipment, and you have a potentially bigger reward than somebody who's taking the time to gear themselves up. And it doesn't really exist on the other maps the same way it does on Shoreline because of the distance that you have to travel. And that's where there's just an unfair advantage to the person with no gear. Because you can do this on interchange. You can do the same strategy, run into the center of the mall, go into Kiba, and loot Kiba. But because the map is smaller and the spawns are closer, you're not going to get out of Kiba before the geared guys are approaching the center of the mall. And I think that's where the imbalance is. And I think that's why reserve is so pronounced, not reserve, shoreline is so pronounced with hatchet runners because they have very little risk even without gear. And I think that's the problem is that on all the other maps, there's like an equal risk reward for hatchet running. Like if you hatchet run on reserve, a lot of times you're going to get clapped. If you hatchet run on interchange, you're going to have a hard time getting out of the middle of the mall. So you have to act really quick. The difference is, is on shoreline, you can go in with a backpack and your secured container and oftentimes make it out before the geared guys even have gotten to the resort and you never had a chance to see them. That's where I think the imbalance is. Yeah, I live and extract a full 70% of the time with just a pistol and a burger. Yeah, I think that's too high. And I, I hear you. I think that's a reasonable way to play. Again, I would argue for having it there to keep that gap shorter between like a hardcore casual and a casual. You know, the, the really hardcore people that are pistol running, yeah, they're going to take advantage of the systems to boost their economy. We get that. But I think Shoreline just has a, a problem with being very little risk for a bag runner. I don't think a casual could pull that off 70% of the time. Well, yeah, no, that, that's true. I mean, I have like level 42 endurance, which helps me almost always the first person, even if I have a bad spawn, maybe not the first person, but I'm like the second person. And I, then I figure out audio on where the first team is and go to the other side of the resort. And I still at least get half. So a casual player is not going to happen. <laughs> How many more hairs do we want to split? <laughs> It's a great point. It's a great point. And, and I think that that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not the casuals who are hatchet running. I don't think it's ca- – like usually when I kill a hatchet runner and I go check their dog tags, it's never like a level 5 player. It's always like at least a level 25 who's doing it. I don't feel sorry for them. It's not poor people who have no money. It's – it's I don't know. And, and it's it's not just Shoreline, although that's definitely the worst. But I mean it's been a minute since I found a graphics card in Interchange. Um, and I check Tech Light, Techo, and Rasmussen every time. It's because the hatchet runners run in there and yoink them all and stick them in their secured container. Yeah, definitely appreciate the conversation. It's interesting to see what people think about it. You know, post in Discord what you think about it. There's got to be a wide range of opinion on this one too. So it's a good community question. 
It is. Well, we're we're already well beyond where we wanted to go. So I'm going to fly through some of these points. Actually, let me just get through most of them. Let me just take a minute here and get through the rest. And we can chat about whatever you guys want to chat about as we're kind of nearing the end here. But here's some of the things that Nikita talked about. Some of the scopes are going to get reworked. There's some that aren't exactly realistic right now. So they're going to fix some of those. Uh, Steam audio was teased. That's still in the research and development phase. It's not soon. That's a major overhaul with sound, but they are working on that. They're testing it out. They're still planning on doing open world. They're still planning on an arena mode that will allow spectators and kill cam may be allowed here. I think this is a nod towards the content creators and having a brawl type arena. There's cultists that are ready to deploy. They're just waiting for the patch. And again, this is the second patch. They will be roaming marked areas. So like marked rooms, the marked areas in the woods, uh, their models and behaviors ready. And they're basically going to be very sneaky. They will have a cultist knife. They will have poison on it and you'll need to find an antidote to cure it. And they alluded to them only being around at night. They teased the new map Streets of Tarkov. They showed some pictures off for that. There's plans for a total overhaul of the skill system. No timeline on that. Kind of a low-key one that I thought was interesting was that the flashlights are going to start requiring batteries. So the batteries that don't have a whole lot of use right now, you'll actually have to power the flashlights with those batteries. They've added a ton of ammo to the traders. Um, they're not apologizing for the high price of ammo. They're actually blaming Peacekeeper for that. Uh, and so that was one of those troll situations with Nikita, but there were people buying out all the ammo. So they added a ton of ammo to the traders and bumped the price up so that people couldn't control the market. They said that anti-cheat is working very well from their perspective and they're investigating basically every questionable case that BattleEye picks up. And the final one I'll leave when we're when we're wrapping up. So I just went over a lot of stuff there. That's all stuff that's either coming in the second patch that I was talking about or that they're working on in the future. So I don't know if there's anything in there that you guys really think is going to affect players or that they really need to be paying attention to, uh, but there's a lot of cool stuff on the way. Your, your death torch that you loot off of a scav interchange is now going to need a battery. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what this game does not need is another another horror element. These cultists, oh my goodness. Whew, I don't need I don't need more jump scares in my life thanks to Tarkov, but apparently I'm going to get them. How many night raids are you doing right now though? Not many, but I, I, I run, you know, I'm curious as to how it will work in particular in the dorms uh, on customs. That's one, like, they, there's not really anywhere for them. Are they going to be hiding in the woods, like the bushes outside when you leave? I mean, if they're just in the room. I don't know, man. They said it was going to be really sneaky. <laughs> so, Dad, <laughs> when you get closer to the end of the task list, do you have to do? Does the game force you to do night raids? Uh, yes. Uh, one of the la one of the last paper quests you have to kill a large number of PMCs. I forget how many. 25, 30, a lot. Between 2300 and 0400. Oh, wow. So is that, are you buying like, um, like night vision stuff? Night vision goggles, night vision scopes, that kind of thing? Uh... That one I mostly just red interchange because I like to red interchange. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's what it, it's however you want to do it. Generally speaking, whenever the game requires me to do something at night and doesn't specify a map, I just go to interchange because it's pretty much the same day or night. But there are some like there's one you have to stuff that gunpowder in the factory at night, which is by the way terrifying. So if there's anybody who hasn't yet experienced a factory night raid without night vision, by the way, go without night vision. 
and then just try. <laughs> try to see how long it lasts before you tap out. Say, nope, it's not for me. That's a fun experience as well. There are some, yeah, you definitely have to be have to be at night for sure. But yeah, night vision night vision can be a lot of fun. It's expensive. It's pricey to get the good kind, but you know, definitely worth it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It can be definitely a lot of fun to go out at night. Let me say this. It was a lot of fun to go out at night. Now, literally everyone is going to have thermals when you're out at night. So night vision is... Right. But, but, but you know, in defense of the thermals and their rampantness, it, it is a very limited... And I use a lot of thermals now. I've become kind of addicted to them. You do get tunneled in. Like, your field of vision is not wide, and you still can miss stuff. I mean, they're not x-ray. There have been people I've run into at night that they were clearly using thermals, and I clapped because I had night vision, and I saw them way first, just because, you know, you can only see, you know, about maybe three or four degrees of your vision. You know, it, it does have its limits. Yeah, and I guess my last question for you, Dad, would be like, what kind of anti-cheat or what kind of cheat things have there been that really make this a thing that they want to emphasize that anti-cheat's working? Uh, Because, like, up until about halfway through the last wipe, cheating was a rampant problem in this game. Uh, People could teleport through walls. People could, like, fly around. It was a very, very serious problem. Uh, I think they did a really good... Like I said, about halfway through the last wipe, they clamped down and seemed to have... It still exists, but I'll say this. uh, And Trigger and I had a fight earlier today that felt like the first the quest the fight the first fight was the first fight I had to question whether it was legitimate in probably this entire wipe that I've had to say I don't think what happened here was right like I feel like something fishy was going on which is pretty impressive because same for me you know even in PUBG I would it would probably happen to me at least a couple times a week and that was before the probably the cheating got bad so that I think they're doing a good job I agree the reason they had they had to say it though is because it, it used to be a very serious problem for sure gotcha that makes sense. I mean, I don't know that I've necessarily run into that, but I wouldn't know. I'm not experienced enough to really know the difference yet. So it's interesting. One of the last things that I wanted to talk about here, I told you that they teased some of the Streets of Tarkov stuff. Nikita called this map a masterpiece, and they showed some really cool photos on the development and all that, but that's not what I was focused on. I've been really thinking about all of the new people to the game, especially those who have joined the Discord or that have emailed or, or have been talking to us. And I really would say to you guys, when this new map comes out, this is the map to press into as a new player. It's kind of like Reserve was as the last map that was released. But when the new map comes out, everyone is new to it, including the veterans. I would say lean in, go hard at the new map, play it often, scav it, do whatever you have to do to learn it because everyone's going to be new. All the spots aren't going to be figured out. No one's going to know exactly where all the loot is. Um, It's a good time as a new player when they do release this map, dig in because everybody's new at that point. So just something I wanted to say, whenever any new map comes out in a game, push in because everyone's going to be trying to figure it out. And the final thing that I really wanted to draw attention to, and it's it's something that I I feel we've talked about, everyone that we've had on has talked about it in some way. But if there's any part of the video that you watch of Nikita talking about what's coming up, I would highly encourage you to go to the one hour and 25 minute mark because it was just a short little part of the video. But he said that the game is designed so that if you come from any other type of game, strategy, FPS, console, whatever it is, you're going to be able to come into Tarkov in your first 10 minutes in the game and do some stuff. And you're going to feel good about being able to do some things. There's going to be a lot that you can't do, but it's actually a game that is designed that you have to do research and rely on other people and community. 
not necessarily that you have to group up with people. He's not saying that, you know, you, you should group all the time. What he's saying is that the game is designed so that you have to rely on learning and other people to teach things. And so, I, f- I found this just, I believe it, I experience it in the game, I learn new stuff every day from people, from videos, from whatever, but I love that they are not shying away from the depth, they're not shying away from the systems, they're adding deeper systems, for crying out loud, they're adding an armor plate system that will be alongside the current armor, and then it will replace it over time, where you can literally pick the slots where your armor goes, and you can decide where your dead zones are, and presumably you can design how heavy you want to make it, that's the direction they're going. But it's people teaching people, it's gamers teaching gamers, and it is core to the way this game is being developed, and I think it's awesome. And I'm glad that they are not budging on this, because it is what makes this game great to me, personally, and a lot of the people I've spoken with. I just think this is awesome. And he just sort of said it, and (laughs) I was like, that is awesome. And it was like, you know, three quarters of the way through the video. Yeah, I think what's going to make Tarkov uh, kind of special is that you can play with your friends no matter what level you are. That's been a theme as we kind of have talked about what has made Tarkov accessible to us as we've dumped in kind of this mid-wipe scenario. And it's it's great to hear the designers of the game say that that's what their goal was. It's interesting to see, you know, the next iterations of this game. We're still in beta and we'll, you know, see where it ends up. It's really interesting because... You know, I've I actually I have tried this game the other way of like just not doing any research and not I mean, I've told Trigger a number of times before. The way that I got into this game was long was long time ago. <laughs> Our dad, Hambino, back before he blew up and became as big as he is, um, invited me to play uh, offline off stream with him one day. Some game I'd literally never heard of called Escape from Tarkov. Cause I you know, him and his buddies they, they would kind of go through different games and try them or whatever. You know, I played with him for a couple weeks and then they fell out and started playing something else. That I didn't want to play. And so me and James tried to soldier on like and just treat it like it was PUBG. And that was the biggest catastrophe I've ever been part of. Like we were we were just getting murked like every single time out. And we had no idea that so far we we're like, screw this, you know, let's quit. And then, you know, um, you know, started watching it was actually Summit when he started getting back into playing it, uh, last wipe. And I was like, you know, this game was fun. This game the, the watching him play it, this looks good. And so we like sat and like spent a lot of time, like literally just reading articles on the on the uh, the internet, like re- reading the Reddit, reading the wiki, being like, oh, so good ammo is super important. Okay, that's why, you know. Oh, so this full metal jacket is not good. Uh, that sounded awesome when I bought it and I thought it was going to do some great stuff, you know. So find somebody and and that's that's why I've been so willing like to help like a, a large number of people because gaming is way better with friends anyway you know it's a lot to throw people to the wolves on this not everybody's you know gonna be willing to dig in and do it but it's worth it it's definitely worth it to give it a try and if you're struggling find somebody reach out to me I am not gonna be grinding this Kappa container thing forever and I will get back into helping all you <laughs> noobs find that gold watch we'll go stomp around the customs do it anytime you want. One of the things I want to talk about here really quick, I'm often reminded of this, but sometimes I, I forget just how significant it is. And uh, if you guys don't know of the streamer Hambino, it's H-A-M-B-I-N-O-O-O. Uh, he's a phenomenal streamer. He plays PUBG primarily. He does stream some Tarkov, but it's funny because this is how 
uh, dad and I got to know each other just over Twitch chat. And then we ended up playing some PUBG together, doing some customs, and then I uh, made fun of him in his stream for a while. But if you're looking for a good creator, you like PUBG or you like Tarkov, he's a great, great streamer and he's got an awesome community. And it's where I've met a lot of people that actually got me in to and, and helped push me along in the content creation world. So a uh, good reminder there, dad, that uh, that's a community that both he and I are pretty heavily involved in and he's just a great content creator. So check him out. But as we're, as we're wrapping here, dad, I just wanted to kind of give you the floor here and, and tell people where they can find you. If you have anything coming up and, and just anything else you want to talk about, shout outs, whatever. But mostly I just want to say thanks for coming on, man. I mean, it's kind of just like, you know, we play a fair amount and it's pretty easy just to talk about the game. But I I do appreciate taking the time to just chat with us for a few hours tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You know, I'm just on Twitch TV slash Dadcaster. I do have something coming up. Our friend, J-Mac, myself and my friend Booch are going to be doing a little competition for charity coming up. We haven't set a certain date for it yet. But we're going to do this, this thing that I've just been railing against for the entire time. We're going to do the Rat Race Challenge. <laughs> We're gonna do. We're gonna. We're gonna stream. It's probably gonna take us 15, 16 hours. We're gonna see who can yoink the most loot, or who can get to twenty million loot yoinked fastest using nothing but a pistol and a backpack. And uh, so we're gonna race for that. We're gonna do. We're gonna have a charity component. Uh, whoever wins, the loser is gonna donate some money to charity. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stream. I'm gonna encourage everybody who checks in. Don't donate to me. Donate to charity. I haven't selected specifically which charity it's gonna be, but we're gonna try to make it a fun event that people can come see. Want to learn? If you want to learn the route to get rich at Shoreline in a in a tremendous hurry feel free to feel free to stop by but yeah so that's that's what i got coming up uh, other than that man just hit me up on the discord anytime if, if you're a new player you want to play uh, you need somebody hop on especially if uh you know if i'm playing solo or sitting in the winning room you know send me a message i'm always happy to help people you know complete quests especially once i get my capa container done I'm not, I'm not gonna have any more quests to do so i'm happy to stomp around whatever map you want and i just love shooting people so happy to come uh provide fire support Anytime you guys want. I would encourage it if he's available. <laughs> he's he's helped me a tremendous amount, and I've tried to repay the favor recently, bodyguarding for him, uh, trying to get the scab. Is boss that what you called it when you shot me in the back good. to death? <laughs> yeah. We didn't even talk about that. Dude, Eric, you don't even know about this because you were out of town. We, uh... We're playing reserve. This is crazy. This is crazy. So we're we're playing reserve, trying to get this boss for dad. And it's J-Mac, him, and myself. And the first thing that happens is we're in a building and our communication was bad. It was like the first round. And I just murder him in the back. Like just absolutely MP7'd him through the back and kill him. And I feel horrible. It's the first game. We had a few hours chalked up to get this boss. And I'm just like beating myself up over it, right? I'm just like, this is awful. And then we're on top of bunkers and I'm sitting, uh, or no, we're, we're, I was on the backside of bunkers, but I don't remember what happened, but J-Mac ends up killing dad on the next run. Like, literally the next run. Just, like, murks him in the head. Just absolutely destroys him. And so then J-Max feeling bad, and he was making fun of me, so now I'm making fun of him. Then, like, two games later... No, literally the next game. We had three TKs in a row. It Was row. was it three in a row? So then I'm sitting up there looting something, and I get shot, and dad's like, I see a guy way off in the distance, and then he shoots and kills me. So we had this, like... Three-way team kill. Just like the craziest three rounds of just unbelievable. Tarkov experts. Best Tarkov squad like, ever. That's what we are. <laughs> three, three TKs in a row. 
Oh my gosh. Just goes to show you how hard it is to play this game in a group. It honestly is very challenging. It's like I, I can do duos just fine, but you add in the third person and it's like communication just gets hard. We, we actually worked on it a lot since then trying to figure out how to communicate with three people because it is not easy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up at the end. <laughs> uh, well, folks, thank you so much for hanging with us. Some of you have asked for longer episodes. We weren't planning to go this long, but we did it. So hopefully this hits well, but we all made it to the exfil, which means we are moments away from disappearing. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for rating and commenting on the podcast and the YouTube videos. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere that you can listen to an audio-only podcast, except for a couple few that we can't get the feeds quite lined up on. But you can also find us on youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now. This is an XP Media Network podcast. So thank you. Hope you guys have a great one. You guys are supposed to say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, and don't forget to scab often. <laughs> See ya.